0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter number
1: 39, Genesis chapter 39, and when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand and honor the reading of the Word of God, we'll read down. Verse number 1 through verse number 6, Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse number 1. The Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Verse number five, and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored.
0: Amen. Thank you. On the life of Joseph, you remember two weeks ago we talked about Joseph. Uh, and his dreams. Then last week we talked about the fact that Joseph was sold by his brothers uh, as a slave to the Ishmaelites. The next chapter in the sequence would be Genesis 38, and we're not there today, but I want to tell you we are coming back to chapter 38, and uh, you will be amazed when we study Genesis 38, you'll be amazed at the, the truths and the nuggets And the applications that are there, so don't think we just uh, uh, forgot about it. We're coming back to that, and we're going to talk about the significance of Joseph's brother. And uh, we'll continue our series uh, here on Sunday mornings. And I'm excited about it. I thank you for being in church, and we're looking forward to what the Lord has for us from the Word of God. Before we pray, I do want to uh, say congratulations to uh, Joey and Shay and uh, Delaney. We're so happy for you. If you have time after the service, I'd love for you to go to the lobby and let folks come by and get to congratulate you and to all the family that's here. We're so happy for you and we thank you for being here. And then uh, Quincy uh, getting baptized, uh, coming on the orange bus for these years and that was such a blessing, just a thrill and uh, I'm I'm so proud of these young people and uh, get saved, get baptized and I'm thankful for their parents and all the workers and all the investment there. I also want to mention—I uh, mentioned it on Wednesday night—and if you're in our on our Facebook prayer group, if you're not on that, it's 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 you're welcome. All of our church families welcome to get on there. We're not going to tell you have to be, but you're welcome to. But uh, we mentioned this last week. Uh, Miss Heather Smith, and of course, Brother Travis and Miss Heather are here. But she has been diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer, and we're praying that God would heal her. God would touch her, and God is able. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some surgery coming up, and perhaps treatments. We don't know about all that yet, but we know that God is in control. And uh, I hope you lift this uh, young couple up in prayer and ask God to help them through these days. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what people do without a church family. And uh, I love my church. And I know some people they go to church to point out all the problems and all the all the criticisms. And by the way, if you come to Victory Baptist Church just to point out all the problems. If it's taken you a while, I'll give you a list after church. That's just, just my faults. I mean, then that'll be a long list. Uh, you'll find them anywhere you go. But can I tell you, if you'll go to church and you'll look for a blessing, you'll find more blessings than you can imagine Amen. in Amen. one another and in God's people. And this is a church that truly loves one, each other, loves one another. Amen. And I'm thankful for my church. Lord, I pray now you'd bless as we look at your word. I pray you'd speak to us and give us what we need. I pray for these families that we're praying for, those that are sick, those struggling, those dealing with loss of loved ones. I pray you give them comfort. Lord, I pray even now for the Carters as they're at Chapel Hill. I pray you touch little Luke and give him healing. I pray for the Ivy family that you'd strengthen them and the Johnson family. I pray for uh, Brother Travis and Miss Heather. I pray that you give them your touch and your healing. Lord, I pray that we would not miss these truths from Genesis 39 this morning. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to go quickly. Uh, We read the first six verses. Brother Dan read them for us. But we see, first of all, as Joseph is sold by his brothers as a slave, he ends up in Egypt, no accident. He ends up being sold to Potiphar, who was the, the general of Pharaoh's army. He was the captain of the guard. Absolutely no accident. Joseph gets there. He's a slave. He could have been bitter. He could have been mad at God, he could have been mad at the world, he could have uh, been angry towards Potiphar, and he could have lashed out at everybody around him, but that's not what happened. The Bible tells us that Joseph had something special even in Egypt. You know what he had? He had the Lord with him. And can I tell you, if you've got God's hand on your life, and you've got God's blessing and God's favor, nothing else really matters a whole lot. Doesn't matter how much money you got in your bank account. Doesn't matter uh, what, what kind of job you have or what kind of house you have or what kind of car or how strong you are or how smart you are. None of that really matters compared to the blessing of God. You see, when you have the blessing of God, you get some things that money can't buy. You get some things that you can't go out and search after on your own. You get peace. Can I tell you, there's people in this world today They've got more money than they know what to do with and they'd give it all just for a day's peace. They don't have it. Peace only comes from God. Can I tell you, joy only comes from knowing Jesus. Contentment and satisfaction, it only comes from walking with God and knowing God and having God's blessing. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, verse two, and he was a prosperous man. For sake of time, I won't have you turn there, but Joshua 1.8 gives us the secret. The secret to success, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. You know where success comes from? Comes from this book right here. Comes from reading it. You meditate on it, you obey it, you live it, and that's where success comes. Psalm 1 tells us the same thing. The blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, I tell you, when the time comes, when God takes me home, And there's a funeral service for me. I don't know what people will say. I don't know what people will will mention, but I hope that people will say one thing. We know this about Jeremy Coburnat. He had God with him. He had the blessing of God. He knew God. He walked with God. And friend, Joseph in Egypt, he had the presence of God. Number one, I see his prosperity. His prosperity, God blessed him. God used him. God helped him. Number two, I see his promotion. It says in verse number four that Joseph found grace in the sight of Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was the boss. Potiphar was not a saved man. Potiphar was not a Christian man. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. But Potiphar saw something in Joseph and he said, there's something special about that guy. Everything he touches, it turns out. Everything he oversees at it all, it's, it's successful, it's prosperous. And Potiphar gave Joseph a promotion. He made him in charge of everything in his house. His entire estate was in the control of a boy that was sold as a slave from uh, his brothers through the Ishmaelites to Potiphar. And Joseph, number two, he's promoted. Now, I'll tell you, promotion in your life can be the best thing that ever happened to you or it can be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Did you know some people can't handle power? Some people can't handle money. You say, if I could just get this job and if I could just get this salary, then I'd be happy. No, probably not. If you can't be happy with where you are now and content right now, there's no guarantee that money's gonna make you happy. There's no guarantee that a position or a title's gonna make you happy. But Joseph took the promotion and the Bible says in verse number six that Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat and Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Verse five, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. You may know someone, and hopefully it's not a church member, hopefully it's not a family member, but you say, you know, that guy or that lady, they were pretty nice until they got the promotion. They were actually a decent human being until they got promoted to boss, and now they are a pain. Now I can't stand it. And some people, they get promotion, and it goes to their head. Some people get power, and they can't handle it. Joseph was promoted, but can I tell you, he used the promotion for God to get more glory in his life. He used the promotion not to gain for himself, but to glorify the Lord. I was listening, I think it was this week or last, I was listening to an interview by a uh, NFL um, uh, player. His name is Christian McCaffrey. Now, I I don't mean to rub salt on wounds here, but the Panthers are not in the game tonight, in case you were wondering, okay? They do have a a great uh, NFL player, Christian McCaffrey. But they were interviewing Christian McCaffrey and his father played in the NFL. I think his older brother plays in the NFL and his mother was some uh, uh, world-renowned athlete. And so he's got it in the family. And they asked him, they said, "Um, uh, did that help you in your career to have your family members doing it and you were around it and you got to see it all? And his answer surprised me. I thought he would just say yes and kind of go on. But he said, you know, he said, it helped me. But he said, a lot of times it hurts people. And I, I kind of I perked up. I, thought, I want to hear what he's got to say about that. How could that hurt somebody growing up in an NFL home? And you want to be in the NFL, you'd think that would be an automatic. Uh, Christian McCaffrey played for Stanford uh, University, set all kinds of records in college, and set records in the NFL this year and last year. An amazing talent. But he said this he said, Some people, they get cocky, they get proud, they start to feel entitled, they start to think because my parents did this or because my family did this, I don't have to work for anything, I can be lazy, I can be mediocre. But he said, I tried to take all that my family invested in me and he said, I tried to work as hard as I possibly could to be the best that I could be. And can I tell you, friend, I'm thankful for God's blessing, but you better be very careful. And I better be very careful that we never think that we deserve it. We better never think, well, you know, God's blessing me. Well, of course, I'm God's gift to the human race. I'm the greatest thing since peanut butter. I mean, why would God God not want to bless me? I want to tell you, we're all sinners. The Bible says even our righteousness, the very best we have to offer God is like filthy rags. Anything good in your life or anything good in my life is not because of us, it's all because of him. And Joseph was promoted not because of Joseph, not because of his talent, not because of his education. He was promoted because he had the favor and the blessing of God. Number three, I see in this passage, verse 7, I see Joseph's purity. The Bible says in verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused, verse 8, and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand, There is none greater in in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Notice this question in verse 9. We'll get to this, this, this story, but this is powerful. Joseph asked this question. He does not say, if I do this, I might lose my job. He doesn't say, if I do this, I might get in trouble. He doesn't say, if I do this, then... Your husband's probably not going to like it. Here's what he says. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Can I tell you what every one of us need a dose of? We need a dose of the reality of the presence of God in our lives. Amen. That everywhere you go, God is with you. Everything you see, God is with you. Everything you say, God is with you. Everything you think, God is with you. And Joseph's concern, his, par- his, his, his mother was dead. His father was back, didn't even know he was alive. His brothers could care less about him. And he probably could have gotten away with it. He probably could have thought nobody will ever find out. I'm in Potiphar's house. I can justify it. I can say, well, if you only knew what I was going through. But Joseph said, time out. If I do this, I will break the heart of my heavenly father. And he said to Potiphar's wife, he said, I can't do this because that's a sin against God. Joseph's purity. This woman cast her eyes upon Joseph. This was planned, it was orchestrated. Joseph was targeted by this woman. She tried to seduce Joseph. She tried to convince Joseph to be immoral with her. She was a married woman. Joseph was a single young man. Can I tell you, the Bible is very clear that we as God's people are to keep ourselves pure. Can I tell you, it's not popular. It is not the norm anymore to be pure in your life and to be pure in your marriage, but God's word has not changed. I'll tell you, my parents probably heard it the same place your parents heard it. But just because everybody's jumping off the bridge, that doesn't mean you have to jump off the bridge. And just because everybody's living immoral and just because it seems to be the way everything is going, I want to remind you God still values purity and God still places a high value on marriage. I was reading this week some stats. And of course, when you search for this, they don't call it adultery. They don't call it immorality. They don't call it fornication like the Bible calls it. The world calls it affairs or um, flings. Or cheating, you know, we, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But God calls it sin. Amen. That was kind of weak, but God calls it sin. Amen. Now, friend, we normally try to get done a few minutes after noon, but if you can't give me a better response than that on these <laughs> basics, it's going to take a long, long time to get through this message. I've got 14 pages. I've got 23 points. I've got 84 subpoints, I've got four poems. And I've got two sad stories to end, so stay with me, okay? I was reading, this was not written by a Christian person, this was not written from a church perspective or a biblical perspective, but they surveyed people. And they said, if you knew that you could commit adultery or you could cheat, was the word they used, and your spouse would never find out about it, they said, would you? Did you know 70% came back and said, we would commit adultery if we knew our spouse would never find out. About 80% of people, though, isn't this interesting, 80% of these people, they do believe that cheating is wrong. They they, they realize if you're married, you're not supposed to do that. 80% would say that. 60% of these people interviewed, they said they would consider it cheating if their spouse was emotionally involved with someone else. I thought that was very interesting. And, you know, the Bible talks about that. The Bible tells us that, yes, we're supposed to be pure in our actions, But we're also supposed to be pure in our thoughts. We're supposed to be pure in our words. Uh, That's why you gotta be so careful uh, what you say to the person at work. That's why you need to be so careful what you send in a text message. That's why you need to be so careful what you say on the computer. Uh, 60% of affairs, they say, begin at work. About 10% of affairs begin online. About 25% of affairs, they say, it came from meeting up with an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend. Isn't that interesting? I don't know how they came up with this stat, but I thought this was amazing. They said the average affair costs $444 a month. We're not talking about court costs. We're not talking about divorce. We're not talking about alimony. We're talking about just to carry on some kind of an affair, an extra $444 a month. Well, I got news for you. I got news for you. And I'm serious as a heart attack. I, I, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't humor hour. This is life and death for some of us. This is serious. I got news for you. $444 would seem like pocket change compared to the damage that you will cause to a spouse and to your children and to your family and to your friends and to the regret that you will have. Can I tell you, if you're here and you say, I've been through that and I've experienced that, I got good news for you. God forgives and God heals and God's grace is sufficient and God's mercy is abundant. But anybody in here that's been through it, I think you know, and I think you could, if you would, you'd stand up here and say, listen to the pastor. You don't want to go down that road. You don't want to experience that. You don't want to find out the hard way. Stop and listen to what God has to say before it's too late. The average affair lasts only about six months. It's amazing how much people will give up and how much people will sacrifice to find that the affair doesn't last. Most affairs, this was shocking to me and I I, I had no idea on the statistics of this, but they say the average affair usually starts two years after someone gets married. That blew my mind. I thought it would be a much longer time, but you know what that tells me? tells me that the flesh is weak. It tells me that Satan is real. It tells me that the temptations are nothing to play with. They're nothing to mess around with. You say, well, what about the stats? Well, the stats, you can take them for what you want, but let me tell you what I know based upon the word of God. God's word is very clear in Exodus 20. It says, thou shalt not Commit adultery. 1 Corinthians 6, flee fornication. 1 Timothy 5, keep thyself pure. 1 Thessalonians 4, abstain from fornication. Can I tell you, God's word is so clear. Don't even get close to it. Don't play with it. Don't mess with it. In this story, Joseph, the Bible says day by day, she tried to seduce Joseph, and Joseph came to a point where she laid her hands on Joseph, and Joseph, in order to escape He fled out of the house, he left, and she still had his coat in her hand. She was hanging on so tight. You know what's amazing is we think we're stronger than temptation. We think we're able to overcome the devil and we think we're able to to, to play with sin and we can get out anytime we want. I got news for you, you're not strong enough and I'm not strong enough. That's why the Bible says that Joseph refused. He said, no. Joseph said, I don't want to break the heart of God. Joseph said, I'm not sticking around. I'm out of here. Joseph fled. Joseph stayed pure, even in Egypt, even when nobody else would ever know, even when he probably could have gotten away with it. Joseph maintained his purity. Joseph was lied about. Potiphar's wife, came to Potiphar when he got home and she said, this Hebrew servant that you got, he mocked me. He he tried to defile me and I've got his coat here to prove it. And Potiphar then took Joseph and put him in prison. Now, hang on. You'd think at this point, Joseph would say, I give up. I've tried to do what's right. I've tried to live for God. My brother sold me. I was a slave, I came down into Egypt and things were starting to look up. Potiphar was giving me promotions and it seemed like things were getting better. And then I try to live for God. I try to do what's right, I try to be pure and I try to to, to do what God wants me to do. I get lied about, I get punished for something I didn't do, I'm in prison and you would think that Joseph would say, I'm done, I quit, I, I throw in the towel, this is over, this is not for me. But then would you notice verse number 21? The Lord was with Joseph. No, 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 this isn't Genesis 39, 2. This is Genesis 39, 21. This is after Potiphar's wife. This is after he's in the prison. And it says the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Wow, isn't that amazing? Can I tell you why God could bless Joseph? Because Joseph stayed faithful no matter what. Joseph was not one of these wishy-washy Christians. He, he went with the crowd. He did what was popular. He did what everybody else was doing. Joseph said, absolutely not. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, let come what may. I'll close, not right this minute, but i close in a few moments with five questions. Here's the first one. Number one, I want to ask you this. Are you a person that God can bless? We talked about the blessing of God on Joseph's life, but I want to ask you if, if it was just you in a room and we put you down and we had a piece of paper. We said, write down on this paper the reasons why God would want to bless your life. You can't say, well, my last name is such and such. My parents did this. My grandparents did this. You know, I, after all, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice. No, no, no. What about you would God want to bless? Could you say, because I try to be honest, because I try to be pure, because I walk with God, because I read the Bible, because I pray, because I worship God, could you put on that list some things that God would want to bless? I'm not talking about salvation. You couldn't earn your way to heaven if you wanted to. Salvation is a gift, but the blessing of God comes for those who obey the word of God, those who follow God's scripture. Number one, can God bless your life? Number two. Are you dependable? Joseph was promoted, but you know what's amazing to me is that Joseph was working for a boss. I don't know if he was a good boss or not. I don't know if he was fair or not. It seems like things went well, but we don't know what it was like at the beginning. We don't know if Joseph was beaten. We don't know if he was abused. We don't know if he was worked to death. We don't know, but Joseph was dependable. Ephesians 6 tells us that as Christians... We're not just working for a human boss. We're working for a bigger cause. And you say, well, I work at a factory, or I work at a store, or I work construction, or I work, I'm a self-employed, and I do this. But you're not working for a person. You're working to please your Father. Ephesians 6 says it like this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Not just trying to please men. But as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Did you know when you go to work tomorrow, you know you ought to do the will of God from your heart? You ought to give the best you have for that boss. You say, I don't like my boss. Well, maybe you don't. But you're not just working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. You are representing the King of Kings. I'm representing the Lord Jesus Christ. But are you dependable? Number three, when it comes to your purity, do you love God enough to say, I don't want to break the heart of God? Now, I think, and this is, this is a whole other message for another time, I think there are safeguards you need to put up in your marriage. I think there are safeguards you need to put up in your life. I think there's things you need to, to, to work, to maintain, and to guard your purity. But here, just, just this question here is, when it's all said and done at the end of the day, would you say, I love God so much, that I don't want to sin against him. I don't want to break his heart. Because you can fool a lot of people. You can fool your spouse for a while. You can fool your kids for a while. You can fool your co-workers for a while. You can fool your pastor and church members and neighbors. But you cannot fool God. Do you love God enough to say, I don't want to break the heart of God? Number four, here's my fourth question. If you live for God, If you do what's right and things don't work out like you think they should, you ever been there? I have. There's been times where I feel like I tried to go the extra mile to make sure I did something right and to make sure I was kind and to make sure I was completely 100% honest. I've had things like that and guess what? They didn't turn out like I thought they should have. As a matter of fact, I I felt like maybe I got thrown under the bus for something that, looking at it, I probably was too kind. I was probably too nice. Uh, I, I feel like probably shouldn't have turned out that way. But hang on. The results are not in our hands. The results are in His hands. And will you be willing to stay faithful to God even when the results... Do not line up with what you think they should be. And then lastly, will you trust God no matter what? I imagine with Joseph being back in in prison, he'd been in Potiphar's house and he'd been in the pit, I imagine with him in prison, I imagine there was something in Joseph that said, I don't know what in the world God's trying to do, but I know this, Joseph made the decision to trust God. And friend, you can trust God. You can trust Him no matter what. You can trust Him no matter what's going on in your life. You can trust Him whether you're with your family or if you're away from your family, if you got a good job or you don't have a good job, your health is good, your health is bad. You can trust God no matter what you're going through because He's able to bring you through it all. And hang on, we're not done with this, this series on Joseph. We're getting somewhere. When we get to the end of the story, you and I will be amazed when we see all that God did in the life of Joseph. And friend, God's not done with you, and He's not done with me. You can trust Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernack.